I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Today I'm just going to look at one verse with you. Uh, Today and next Sunday I want to preach out of uh, this section of the Bible and then on uh, two weeks from today we're going to start a verse-by-verse study uh, through the book of Joshua. But as I, uh, at the end of the year and into the first year, I was doing some reading and studying and meditating and thinking about my own life and thinking about 2022 and uh, what is in front of us, what is in front of me, uh, asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that you're wanting to show me? What is it that you're wanting to teach me? How are you trying to grow me in my understanding of who Jesus is and who I am in Christ? And I won't tell you the whole story. Uh, But just through reading for several days in a row, I kept going back to Galatians chapter 5 and reading this passage over and over and over again. And it led me to uh, adopting for myself this word for 2022. The word is freedom, freedom, freedom in Christ. And then to discover that I have a choice. I have a choice of whether or not I am going to live in the freedom that I already have in Christ. I want you to say this verse with me on the screen, Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1. Let me read it one time, and then I'm going to get you to read it with me, all right? Here it is. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Together, let's say it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. One more time. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. As I comb through that, and I began to think about my own life, and I began to think about freedom, it was like the Lord said to me, you know what? There's probably some folks in the Point Church that need to adopt this word, freedom, freedom. Did you know that every year, There are over 600,000 men and women that are released from jail or from prison. Within five years, 77% of them will be right back in the same place. And that is because for some of them, when they get out, they have no support system. They have nowhere to go. They have no family that will take them in, no place for refuge, no place to work. And so life just gets out of hand again, and they end up in the same place. Some people, they get out, and they've always been criminals. They're going to be criminals, 
and before they even get out, they're plotting their next crime, and so they reoffend and they find themselves uh, incarcerated once again. Others, due to uh, being in there for a lengthy period of time, they might finish their sentence up. That sentence might be 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. And when they finally get to that moment of freedom, they have great difficulty reacclimating into society because over the years, things change. You can only imagine in your mind uh, someone that has been incarcerated and they get out of prison, and we're on iPhone number 13, right? So they're out, and they're like, what's going on here? And so just learning society and how society functions, it can be a real struggle. As a matter of fact, I was reading about one man in a British newspaper who had been in prison for 32 years, and this is how he described his newfound freedom. He said, it is actually deeply disturbing, Because when I was in prison, I knew who I was. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how I wanted to act, who I wanted to be. But he said that that little prison was small. It was compact. He said, but now that I'm out in this great big old world, it's infinite. It's so big. I don't know how to act, and I don't know how to live. He went on to say that it's actually an identity thing. I have a new identity. I'm no longer a prisoner in prison. I'm a free man, and with this new identity, I actually feel completely lost, and my life is imploding. Now, you would think someone that had found freedom that they would just be celebrating and want to throw a party, right? But the reality of this freedom is overwhelming Ben Gunn. He doesn't know how to respond. He doesn't know how to, my, now that I have freedom, my life is falling apart. Did you know that this understanding of freedom and what to do with it, it's not been a new thing? When you read Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1, it appears to be that there are some Christians, some new believers in this province of Galatia that are in Christ, they've been born again, and they don't know what to do with their freedom. If you would stop and just think about this for a minute, I think you would see that Christians have always struggled with that. How many of you found that many people view Christianity as a prison? They view it as bondage. Or when you are born again by God's grace and you become a Christian, if you're not careful, you will think about the Christian life being more related to do's and don'ts and rules than you think about, I am, just like we sang a minute ago, I am free, free, forever I'm free. Now, the Jewish people had converted to Christianity, and some of them were still in and around a sect called the Judaizers. The Judaizers were in this province of Galatia. If you would, think about uh, Galatia being more like a county, okay? As a matter of fact, when I looked it up on the map, it really kind of looks like a Scambia County. You know how a Scambia County is kind of long like this? Galatia, the province of Galatia, looks like a Scambia County. And inside of this province would have been cities like 
Lystra and Iconium, Antioch of Pisidia. And so Paul writes this letter to the churches, the towns in the province of Galatia, probably around the year 48. Now, what's significant about that? It is that that Jesus was crucified probably around 34 to 37. So this is just maybe a little over a decade past the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Christianity is a a, a new thing, if you will, uh, in this region. And so the Judaizers were saying, okay, you believe that Christ is the Messiah, but you've still got to obey things in the law. You still got to be circumcised, if you will, and you still got to follow dietary laws. And so these Christians who did not have a complete canon of Scripture were trying to process and understand what it means to be a Christian and what this new life is like, and no doubt many of them were struggling with the newfound freedom they had in Jesus. You no longer have to go to the synagogue. There's no longer a need for the sacrificial system because Jesus came and now you are free in Christ. If we could give them just a little bit of grace and remember that for about a thousand years, your relationship with God was tied directly to your relationship with the law and how well you obeyed what it had to say. But now Christ has come. And Christ offers freedom from religion. Anybody in the house, are they thankful for the freedom that we have from religion? Oh, religion. I'll say more about that in a minute. I think most of us probably understand or would even say, oh, praise God, you were singing a minute ago, I'm free, free, forever I'm free. But if we just get down in the weeds into the nasty now, I'm going to guess there's probably some people in the room right now that feel like you're living in bondage. There's some of you right now that you know you're free in Christ, but you're living in the bondage of fear. You're overwhelmed with fear. Some of us are living in the bondage of anxiety. Anxiety. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. How many of us are waking up at 2 or 3 in the morning and can't go back to sleep because we're overwhelmed? We're living in the bondage of anxiety and fear in our minds. How many of us are living in the bondage of insecurity? Ben Gunn said, you know, I had identity. (laughs) I had identity when I was in prison, and now that I'm out and I'm free, I have no identity. And many of us that claim to be Christians, we are not living in the security of our identity in Christ. I wonder how many of us today, as I was reading one author this week, he was talking about the hamster. Anybody ever had a hamster or you have a hamster at your house? Sometime I'll have to tell you this story about when ours got loose in the middle of the night. It's for another day. But the author was talking about the hamster that's sitting in the cage and he's looking outside of the cage And he's wondering, what is it like out there? Man, if I could just go out there and look around and see what's going on and see what I can discover, and and as long as the door stays closed and the lid is tight, what does the hamster do? The only thing the hamster has to do is to lay in that pine straw or to run over there and get on that wheel. 
And the hamster will run in the place, run in place, and run, 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 and keep on running, and the hamster's actually going nowhere. Going nowhere. Anybody ever feel that way? You ever feel that way when it comes to personal sin? Like there's something you're struggling with, and you know it's sin, you know it's wrong, and you don't like it, and you, and you feel the guilt of it, you feel overwhelmed with it, you really want to do something about it, but at the end of the day, a week passes, and a month passes, and a year passes, and you're emotionally frustrated, you're physically tired, and you feel like that hamster <laughs> in your Christian life that you're just running in place. How many people are that way today with religion? Oh, religion. Can I tell you something? Religion is exhausting. It is. The only thing that's liberating and life-giving is a relationship with Jesus. The only way you're going to have freedom is in a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you another thing I think some of us are in bondage with. I think we're in bondage with performance performance. That in the Christian community or maybe even around your family, you're crumbling, you're stressed, your life is falling apart, you're overwhelmed, but when you get around others, your brothers and sisters in Christ, you have this pressure to at least act like you've got it all together. Heaven forbid that you would ever admit that you're broken and you really don't have it all together. I'm telling you, that's a prison. That's a prison. Now, God sent me here today to kind of jumpstart whatever might be going through your heart and mind, bouncing between your ears right now. God sent me here today to remind you that in Christ, we are free. In Christ, we can live in freedom. Let's look at just this one verse, okay? Just this one verse, and I want to give you two statements. Freedom. Freedom in Christ and then I have a choice to live in freedom. Here it is. Statement number one is this. God gifted your freedom. God gifted your freedom. Now, in Bible study in college, I learned about two important words. When you are reading through uh, particularly Paul's letters and other places in uh, the scriptures, those two words, I want you to write them down. The word is indicative and imperative, okay? First word is indicative, and the second word is the imperative. Why are those two words important? Let me, let me shape this for you real quick. The indicative is that which is a fact, okay? An indicative is something that has happened. It's settled. It's a fact. It's not something you're you're hoping to happen or that you're waiting to happen. It is something that has already happened or it is happening in real time and there's nothing you're gonna do to change that. Now, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Would you wave at me today? Just wave at me, okay? Praise God for that, amen? Okay, so if you truly have been saved, the indicative defines who you are. Who am I? I 
am in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I know this. I know that my salvation and my freedom to me is a gift from God. Please hear me today. If you're playing the religion game, if you're here to play the religion game, then I need to say to you, you don't and you can't make yourself free. Only Jesus can set you free. Because freedom is a gift from God. What is the condition of every person born into this world? Back up in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, you can look on the screen. It gives us a picture as we took communion together and we remember the cross. It gives us a picture of what Christ did in that moment. Paul wrote that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, the book of Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Jesus was cursed hanging on the tree to lift the curse of the law that hung over my life. Paul developed this in Galatians that the law is our schoolmaster. It is what we look at like an x-ray machine. We look at the law and we see that we are sinners. Therefore, we're under the curse. We're under the bondage of the law. And there's nothing we can do about that. You cannot liberate yourself. You can't break out of the curse, the jail cell of the curse of the bondage of the law. There's only one person that can set you free, and that is Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 22. Look on the screen, verse 22 of Galatians 3. But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. What a beautiful passage. I encourage you this afternoon to read that whole chapter, chapter three. We're imprisoned, we're in bondage, we're under the curse of the law, we can't do anything about it, so God commends his love toward us in that while we were sinners, when we are in bondage, he sent his son to die for us on the cross. I'm grateful today to tell you that in my teenage years, God broke the bondage of the curse of sin in my life, and he set me free by the grace of the Lord Jesus. Has that happened in your life? No, I mean, has it really happened? I'm not asking you if you've joined the church, said the catechisms, taken communion, been baptized. I'm asking you, have you been liberated by the grace of the Lord Jesus? Have you been set free from the bondage and the curse of sin? We've just been in Advent season. We came into the first Sunday of Advent, and we boldly declared that Jesus is our hope, that we have no hope apart from Christ. Jesus is our joy 
We have no joy apart from Jesus. Jesus is love. He personifies love. He is love. And then Jesus is our peace. As I begin to read and study in my own meditation and devotion time, I typically try to get up in the morning and there's a chair right by the front window of our house and I go in there and I sit in that chair and I look out the front window and I work very hard not to spill my coffee on Misty's chair as I exchange Bibles and books and, and going and I'm, I'm just in the quiet and I'm meditating with the Christmas tree in front of me and I'm thinking about my walk and my journey with the Lord and God said to me very clearly, Tim, Jesus is all of those things that you preached about in December and now you need to look at Jesus as your freedom. Jesus is the one that liberates Jesus is the one that sets us free. So let me ask you, let me just ask you, gang, this question. Why is it that we know the indicative? We know what Jesus has done for us, but yet we live our days in bondage. How many of you have noticed that people, maybe that you work with or in your family, that a lot of people are just absolutely convinced that Christianity is bondage? Have you observed that? I mean, have you had somebody say to you, oh yeah, you, you take that archaic book, you take that archaic book and you read it and you study it and then you act like you're gonna live by it and you're gonna obey it. Come on, man, get with the times in 2022. Don't let that book keep you back from enjoying life. Live free, man. Do what you want to do. Do we not live in a world today that validates that? Just do what you want to do. Be who you want to be. Live the way you want to live. That's real freedom. But you and I look into the scriptures and we know that's not real freedom. The freedom of the world leads to a train wreck. <laughs> the freedom of the world lives or leads to disaster and brokenness and and that's why we have the chaos that we have in this world. And so, so you and I today live in this tension with grace and legalism, right? Grace and legalism. Grace, the unmerited favor of God. Ephesians 2 verse 8, for by grace, the unmerited favor of God, you have been saved. It is not of yourselves, but it is a gift from God. It's not received by works lest any of us would strut, brag, and boast about it, right? That we would say, I did this. I I asked Jesus into my heart. I turned over a new, I made this decision. When we know that the work of grace is something that God does. It is a gift from him. And then once we receive that gift, we're kind of like Ben Gunn sometimes, when he got out of that British prison as Christians, we sometimes don't know what to do with it. And I'll say this in a minute, but we kind of have a knowledge of that freedom, but we kind of circle back around and we really live our life in bondage just to other things. And I was sitting there one morning and I was just meditating with some really good coffee, by the way. 
And it was like the Lord said to me, Tim, you know, you've preached for 30 years what the Word of God says. And it does say this, I believe in 1 Peter chapter 1, that everything pertaining to this life we have in Christ. Y'all read that before? Like two of you. Do y'all read your Bibles? I'm kidding. Everything that we have in this life that we need, we have it in Christ. So in Christ, I have what I need to not live in bondage, to not live in slavery. I said to you last Sunday, a book I've been reading, I just finished it up yesterday as a matter of fact, and in that book, the author said that the spiritual battle of this generation, the spiritual battle of our generation, 2022, is being fought between our ears. It's right here in our mind. And God said to me, Tim, you know 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says, casting down imaginations and thoughts and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, that we cast it down. We cast it down. We destroy it. And we take on the mind of Christ, which is that we will take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, how many of you really believe you really believe that everything I just said is a fact? Raise your hand. Okay, so let's settle it. That's the indicative. That's what's settled. It's a fact. That's who we are. That's what we have in Christ. Let me move to the second thing in my last point. Freedom is a gift from God. And number two, living in freedom is a choice. Living in freedom is a choice because you see, church, you can have freedom and not live in it. You can have joy but not live in it. You can have peace but not live in it. You can have hope but not be a hopeful person. You can have freedom but make choices in your life that lead you down a road of bondage. How many of you want to be free from your fear? <laughs> come on, come on, quit being religious. How many of you want to be free from your anxiety? How many of you want to be free from the hamster wheel of performance? How many of you want to be free from religion? You just want a pure relationship with Jesus. We can do it. We can do it. But you know what too many people do? Too many people set out and they try to make themselves free. They try to make themselves happy. Uh, John Baker wrote a book, Life's Healing Choices. John is the founder of uh, Celebrate Recovery, uh, which is a wonderful ministry that has been in churches all over the world that just helps people process hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You know, how do I deal with this stuff in my life and in the opening part of that book, he really unpacks the bigger problem. The bigger problem is this. Genesis chapter 3, when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, here it is, here it is. Isn't it beautiful? Now go enjoy it. Live in freedom. Be blessed. But don't eat 
of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, how many of you know when you were growing up and your parents said, do not open that closet. Don't go in there. Don't touch it. When your mom and dad were away, what were you thinking about? I wonder what's in that closet. You want to know what's in there, right? Just curiosity overwhelms you. Or how about this? What about today if if I said, Point Church, it's a new year, and here's what we're going to do. For the next 30 days, we're not going to eat ice cream. Don't eat ice cream. Let me tell you what I'm going to be thinking about every day. Chocolate and peanut butter ice cream. That's what I'm going to be thinking about. Because there's something in our flesh when we are told don't, no, don't, that we want to do it anyway. And John Baker in that book, Life's Healing Choices, says this. He says, in that moment in the Garden of Eden when Satan came to Adam and Eve, what was the first thing he said? Did God really say that? Questioning, questioning the word. Then he followed that up with this right hook. He said, the reason he doesn't want you to do that is because he don't want you to become God like him. And Baker unpacks in the book that what we struggle with in this life, in this flesh, is that we want to be God in our lives. We want to be in control. We want to do our own thing. We want to make ourselves happy. That's why Walter Grunman said this. He said the Christian stands in the tension of a double reality, that we are basically freed from sin, we're redeemed and we're reconciled, but he is actually at the same time at war with sin, we are threatened, we are attacked, and we are placed in jeopardy by it. We know what the indicative is that we are in Christ, but our lives are constantly being attacked Our joy and our freedom is constantly in jeopardy. And when we get faced with issues, we have a tendency to run our own race, go our own path, because we really want to be in control in our lives. We want to control our situations. We want to make ourselves happy. We want to control the people around us. We want them to be who we want them to be. And we want to be in control. The real path to freedom is to let go. The real path to freedom is to turn loose and let God be God in our lives. To live in the promises. Watch. One author I read this week said, what we have done in the New Testament church or the church, modern-day church, is that we spend a lot of time hammering the imperatives, which is the action, the do. This is what results from the indicative. We have focused on the imperatives of be, 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 instead of the indicative of who Jesus is, and it gets our life out of balance. We live in bondage because we try to be God in our lives. We attempt to make ourselves free. So what's the response to that? Look in the text. 
Paul said this, if we're gonna live in freedom, we've gotta hold our ground. We've gotta stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't give up your ground. It's interesting when you read the Apostle Paul, when he uses those two words in his writings, he almost always uses it when times are tough. When times are tough. It's easy to live for the Lord and stand your ground when things are easy, when everybody's well, when the bills are paid, when there's no stress, when there there seems to be no chaos. But what about when things get hard, when things get difficult, when the enemy's attacking and and you feel like your family's in jeopardy and, and you look at the world and the chaos? What do we do? Well, I'm telling you, if you go along with the world to get along, you're gonna find yourself in the prison cell of the world and the world's thinking. I said just a minute ago, there's a a battle for our mind. When Paul says stand firm, what he's really saying there is that you've gotta work at it. You gotta work, it takes effort. It takes effort to hold your ground. Let me think about this with you for just a minute. If I could just be just bluntly honest and lay it out there on the line in this world of chaos today, there's some of us that'll spend an hour in the Word and then the next 16 hours on the TV and our phone. And we're suffering from FOMO, suffering from the fear of missing out. And we're engaged in all this just absolute life-sucking garbage of the world. And we can't, we can't, we can't. Philippians 4, 8 is another verse that just, I've been quoting it to myself in my mind over and over in recent days. Philippians chapter 4, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and lovely and are of good report, think on these things. I want to tell you, if you're going to practice that in your life, you're going to have to turn your TV off. Amen, pastor. You're going to have to put your phone down. You're going to have to. How can we meditate? (laughs) How can we meditate and live in joy and the freedom of Christ if we are constantly on a diet of the things of this world? Paul says, stand your ground. Hold firm. It's going to take effort. You are going to have to work at it. Charles Kingsley said there are two freedoms. There are two freedoms. The faults where a man is free to do what he likes and the true, where a man is free to do what he ought, to do what he ought. I don't know about you, but I want to do what I'm supposed to do. And I want to enjoy the benefits of that. I want to live in freedom. I don't want to live in bondage. I want to live in freedom, and I have a choice. When I wake up in the morning, when I wake up tomorrow morning, What is the first thing I'm going to do? Am I going to set my mind on the things of this world or am I going to set it on the things of God? 
as I go through the day, am I going to feast on the things of God or am I going to feast on the things of this world? That'll be the deciding factor of whether or not I live in freedom. Hold your, it takes effort. Church, look at me. Some of you right now are living, you know what I'm talking about. You're living it. I'm telling you, in order to move forward in your walk with the Lord, you're gonna have to make some changes and put effort into it. It takes work. Stand firm. Hold your ground. And then he finishes up by saying, and do not, do not, do not submit yourself to another yoke of slavery. Now, I want you to get this picture. It was very common in Jesus' day, very common when Paul was writing this, that people would have had a mental picture of a yoke because oxen were used very heavily, of course, in farming. If there was any kind of construction going on, uh, those of you that have been to Israel have seen some of the uh, artifacts and so forth of the, the, the work and how they uh, took care of their families and how they did work in the city and how they built buildings. It was very closely tied to oxen and a pulley system and, and having big, strong animals to do the work. And those animals would have a yoke on them, on their shoulders, and that yoke would be the instrument that would produce the work. Now, I'm telling you, I've seen some stones in Jerusalem that I'm wondering how big those cows really were. I mean, the work, the energy, the effort to get that done. And the picture here is of that yoke on your shoulders. And the picture is, is that it's heavy and it's hard work. Anybody feeling heavy in your life right now? Anybody feeling heavy? You feeling heavy about your kids or your grandkids or your job or your health or your or our country or the church or am I relating to anybody in the room today? It's a yoke. It's a yoke. Did you know that Jesus never said that a Christian would not have a yoke? He never said that. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I have a yoke. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Look, look on the screen. I want you to say this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then he says this. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. Take my yoke. He doesn't say, I don't have a yoke. Take my yoke. Learn about me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I'm just telling you right now, January 9th, this sermon may not do anything for you. You may just go right on back to your life and you just keep trucking down the road your own. Maybe you're just shouting the victory today, but I'm gonna tell you something. I wanna live with that yoke, that yoke, the Jesus yoke. Jesus offers freedom and rest and joy and peace, but when we run off in our flesh 
and we try to be God in our life, you know what we end up doing? We end up putting ourselves right back under a different yoke, a different yoke. I've seen this in church through the years, in my 30 years of ministry and just observing church life. I, I, you know, there's all different kinds of churches and denominations and so forth. And, and, and I've seen Christians come to Christ and, and accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then the church or the pastor take that person that's found this new freedom in Christ and they're no longer under the bondage and penalty of sin, but they bring them over here and put them under the bondage of legalism and rules. I mean, they go to bed at night trying to think up of a new rule. How many of you found you've got a hard enough time keeping the ones that are in black and white in the Bible than coming up with new ones, right? The bondage of legalism. I love what Peter said to the Pharisees in Acts chapter 15, verse number 10. He said, your fathers and you, you come up with rules and regulations that you burden people with that you can't even keep yourself. So stop it. I love that. You know why? Because religion is weighty. It's burdensome. It's overwhelming. But the gospel of grace of the Lord Jesus is liberating and it's life-giving. Would you stand with me? I'm done. But I want you to hear me. If you would just turn your eyes up here for just a minute. Some of you right now in your walk with the Lord, it's make or break time. It, it is. I know it is. I'm a pastor, I counsel. I'm a pastor, I take phone calls. And I know for some of you right now, it's make or break time. Which way will my Christian walk, which way will my 2022 go? Will you just continue to be sucked in to the chaos of this world? Or would God have you to hit pause for just a second and to say, you know what? The indicative is I am in Christ. I am in Christ. I am in Christ. I am in Christ. I am free in Christ. The imperative is now I need to stand free or stand firm in that freedom and do not, do not submit again to another yoke of slavery. Do you get it? Do you get it? The question is now, how then shall we live? You have that freedom. There's a 20-foot statue on top of the U.S. Capitol called the Freedom Lady. Her face is a crest of stars. She has a shield of stars and stripes in her left hand. The sculpture actually came over on a ship from Rome. En route, it went through a fierce storm, and the captain and the hands on the ship were trying to figure out how can we make the ship lighter? There are things that we need to throw overboard or we're going to take on water. And so they're, they're throwing things overboard. And the story is written by James Helly is that the sailors grabbed the statue to throw it overboard because it was so heavy. And Helly writes that in the middle of all that chaos, the captain with a loud voice said, no, no, never. 
we will never throw freedom away. We will never throw freedom away. And I don't know about you, (laughs) but in my Christian life, I want to never throw freedom away. Never throw it away. Never throw it away. But live in the freedom that I have in Christ. You put the verse up there on the screen, Galatians 5.1. And we're going to say it together and we're going to pray. Galatians 5.1. Let's quote it together. Here we go. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Would you bow your head with me?